It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a story that spans the globe. It involves an Ocean's Eleven-style rip-off, dictators' palaces and faked movies. And at the centre of it all, one property, one address. Today, we have three stories with one big thing in common. 29 Harley Street. My name is Oliver Buller. I'm a freelance journalist and an author. Oliver Buller is a journalist and author, originally from Wales, who moved to Russia in 1999 to work as a journalist. He worked there in St. Petersburg and then in Kyrgyzstan and finally ended up at Reuters. He stayed in Moscow, mainly reporting on the war in Chechnya, until 2006. And since then, he's worked as a freelance journalist. So his beat has always been global. And indeed, this story starts abroad, in the most unusual of places – I'm Maeve McLennigan. This is The Tip-Off. Our first chapter today, The President's Secret. Back in 2014, Oliver was in Ukraine. He was working as a freelancer and filing stories about the recent revolution, a protest that turned into a siege that led to the ousting of the president, Viktor Yanukovych, and the overthrow of the Ukrainian government. I'm a, a freelance journalist. I'm a kind of specialist in the former Soviet Union. I was there because there was a revolution. That was all. Yanukovych had fled the country, leaving opulent palaces ripe for exploring. And that's where Oliver found himself one day. It was like the biggest log cabin in the world. It's like a five-story log cabin. It's insane, the luxury, and then the hunting lodge, and then other palaces. Mouth agape, Oliver stood in the grounds of the log cabin, taking it all in. Up ahead, his guide, a revolutionary called Anton, showed him around. And I got to go to some really out-of-the-way luxury properties. And I suppose it started out as funny, you know, because it was just so vulgar. The toilets, some of the toilets in, in the ex-president's hunting lodge. And he had two ensuite bathrooms in his hunting lodge. And they both had a, a massive, like a 100-inch television, but at sitting down height. So it wasn't for watching in the bath, it was for watching on the toilet. And I would think it was at that point it stopped being funny is the thing. It stopped being funny and became kind of obscene. Oliver turned to Anton, his guide. How could Yanukovych get away with all this? He asked. How could your president amass just preposterous wealth without people knowing? Anton's face grew serious. 
it wasn't as easy as that. He told Oliver. It wasn't a question of, of them letting him get away with it because they hadn't known what he was doing because he'd owned all this property. He'd owned a palace, hunting lodge, and then other palaces and business em- empires and a helipad, all this stuff. But it all owned it via British shell companies. And the British shell companies had then been owned in Liechtenstein. But the point is, it looked like legitimate foreign direct investment. Later that night, back in his flat in Kiev, Oliver got to thinking. And I was just sitting there on the sofa with this low, you know, like a coffee table and a, and a beer. And it was the evening after I'd been and visited this hunting lodge, which was in a forest outside Kiev. And I'd come back into Kiev and I'd got back to the flat and I, 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 and I sat there with my beer and a you know, bowl of crisps. And, and just, you know, I looked up the ownership documents for the, the land where the, where the hunting lodge is registered, which showed it belonged to a Ukrainian company. Then I, I mean, it's just, it was so laborious, but, you know, in this sort of boring way that databases don't talk to each other. Then you look up a different database and that showed that the, the, the company belonged to a British company. And then I went to the company's house and then you had to pay for company's house in those days. So then fa- and found that that belonged to a British company called Astute Partners Limited, and then Astute Partners Limited belonged to a different British company called Blythe Europe Limited, and then Blythe Europe Limited, that's what belonged to Foundation in Liechtenstein. But both of the British companies, Astute Partners Limited and Blythe Europe Limited, were registered at 29 Harley Street. Harley Street. If that name sounds familiar, there's a reason why. A picturesque street in Marlebone, London, Harley Street is virtually synonymous with the most high-profile, top-end private medical treatments. Think facelifts, Botox and specialist surgeons. And then you occasionally meet the other odd mad doctor. And it's amazing how much networking can take place just on the way to and from work. It's one of those very few addresses in London that, that means something more than itself, you know, like Fleet Street, Harley Street, Whitehall. It's, a, it's an address with, a, with an association of high-end healthcare. So how was it that one of those grand Victorian-era buildings was linked to a luxury hunting lodge in Ukraine? And then there was one day when, when I just, I suppose I had a, was at a loose end, and I thought, yeah, I'm just going to look into this. What is this Harley Street thing? You know? He pulled open his laptop and typed in the search bar. And then I looked at I typed in 29 Harley Street. And, um, and it wasn't you know, just this company, though. There were thousands of them. And then, and then I sort of thought, well, that's interesting. And then I typed in, you know, just in Google, fraud and 29 Harley Street. And it was just page after page. It was extraordinary. So we have an address that is somehow linked to a luxury mansion in Ukraine. But where next? Well, we've arrived at the second part of our story. Viva Las Vegas. This time our story starts in another time in another place entirely. It's the 10th of November, 2003 now. The Bellagio Hotel, Las Vegas. Two businessmen are waiting nervously to meet a certain Richard Benson, a man who has the finances to greenlight their separate building projects. And this man was important, he thought. He'd even helped to bail out the Queen. So the men were on their best behaviour. When they met with Sir Benson, they were impressed. This portly, balding gentleman promised that he could help. His business, Sherwin and Noble, would loan them the tens of millions of dollars they were looking for. All he needed was for them to pay some advance fees up front, a mere couple of hundred thousand dollars to get the ball rolling. So the two men wired across some of the money and waited. And waited. And waited. Perhaps you can see where this is going. After months with no loans, no messages, a private investigator was hired. The truth came out. 
You see, this Sir Richard Benson didn't exist. He was being played by an actor. Who is a fictional person who didn't apparently even speak with a reliable British accent, but who was presented by these fraudsters as, as, as being very wealthy British financier who'd been ennobled by the Queen for, for helping her when Buckingham Palace was going to be foreclosed on. The loan company was a sham, nothing more than a shell company. The two men had lost serious sums. The only thing real about any of it was the address the fraudulent company was registered to. 29 Harley Street. It's a sort of mind-bogglingly obvious fraud, but people fell for it. and It was just a sort of standard advance fee fraud. Oliver was able to put all of this together because there'd been a court case. So that was just in US court documents. I mean, the joy of, of dealing with the US courts is, you know, unlike courts in the UK where extracting any kind of document from them, including what cases are coming up tomorrow, is a, is a you know, practically a full-time job. Yeah, you, you phone up a court in California and say you had a case 15 years ago. Can you send me the, you know, the indictment and, and the verdict? And, you know, they'll come in the email five minutes later. It's extraordinary. It is so well organised over there. So that one, I didn't need to do any more reporting on at all. It was all in the, in the court documents, bless them. But still, what, sorry, what was going through your head when you do get that and you're reading those details of the incredible, like those incredible things about the silly accent and the... I mean, that was just daft. It, it's like reading a treatment of Ocean's Eleven. You know, if like, if Ocean's Eleven, you know, with the whole casino robbery, if it hadn't worked and instead they'd been prosecuted and George Clooney was jailed for it. Because, you know, court documents are written in this in this language. It's sort of, you know, it's all very kind of dry and, and, and very sort of like everything in the passive voice and all that. If you strip away, you know, George Clooney and Brad Pitt, that's what it would have read like Ocean's Eleven. So we've been to the Ukraine and the US. Where next? More after this. Okay, so the last chapter in our story might have had some allusions to Ocean Eleven, the Las Vegas backdrop, the costumes, the audacious scam. But this one involves an actual real film. Well, eventually. This story starts with another actor, but this one was at least honest about who they were. Aoife Madden had some lofty credits under her name. She'd been involved with the Royal Shakespeare Company and performed in the West End. But she really hit the headlines around 2013-14. You see, Aoife had joined forces with an Iraqi investor, Bashar al-Issa, along with three other associates, to create Evolved Pictures Limited. Now, they said this company, Evolved Pictures, was making a big-budget film, one that would cost £19 million and would star a bevy of Hollywood A-listers. So the company was used to invoice for services supposedly related to the production of that film, and the directors then tried to claim back 1.5 million in VAT, and almost as much again in film tax relief, a tax break designed to encourage filmmaking. But there was no film. It was all a fraud designed to claim millions in tax breaks. The fraudsters were caught out and put on trial, but they had one last-ditch plan to try and make things right. At which point they decided to, I mean, in a way which is slightly mind-boggling, to try and erase the trace of the crime by making a film. Having, having fraudulently claimed to be making a film, they thought that it would be okay once been charged with the crime to then make a film as if that would make everything all right, which is kind of sweet, the logic in it. It's like the kind of thing a toddler would think of. 
And that's how this appeared. And our top story. A decorated hero, Hild McAvoy, was found dead today on a vacant development lot in London. Boys? There's more than one. We've got a serial killer on our hands. The name of this imaginary film, A Landscape of Lies. I know, you couldn't make it up. A trailer was produced, a few minutes of shaky camera footage filmed in one of their flats, all costing less than £100,000 total. There were even scripts and documents scrambled together. A director was even hired. If Marcus gave us more time and I knew our family was solid, then I'd tell him about the affair and I'd let the chips fall where they may. Obviously it didn't work. Um, they got jailed, but they did hire a director. He had a contract with this company at 29 Harley Street. It all looked very legitimate. And then they didn't pay him. So he, he turned up there. He went there, like I'd gone, to try and get his money. Oliver wanted to track that director down. I googled him after finding his name in the records. And he's not really a successful film director. But, you know, there are these sort of industry registries, you know, for people who want to be in the industry, you know, hey, here's my CV, give me a call. And then I called him up and he was very happy to talk about it. You know, he was very, you know, very cross about what had happened to him. So how could all this be happening? How could all these frauds, dozens of them from all across the globe, all be connected to this one London address? Oliver was on his way to find out. Finally, there he was. Oliver was stood outside 29 Harley Street. For months, he'd been pulling the pieces together, searching for court documents, news articles, anything he could find about companies linked to this property. A vital tool had been an online database, Companies House. Well, I was quite lucky because during the process of researching this article, the government opened Companies House so you didn't have to pay for it anymore. And it became just a, a search engine. And basically, if there is a UK company of which there are, what, three point something million, then you just type in the a name of, of, a, of a company director or, or the name of the company, and then you just get this long, long list of, of results. Once you've found one, one sort of company officer, one director, you can then click and find everywhere, everything else they're a director for. It's quite well put together. There were thousands of companies there, millions maybe. It had all the makings of a transparent system where company records can be scrutinised. But as Oliver searched through the database, it seemed like people were operating without any real oversight. But it's funny, I mean, if you you go spend time on Companies House, which I do, you find there are quite a lot of people like me out there who, who, who are just amused by it so easy to just troll it, that they just make things up. It's slightly like there are people who really get off on, on writing nonsense on Wikipedia. There's some bloke in, I think he's in Helsinki, who, who's who got a company which the, the company directors are Leonardo DiCaprio, Robbie Williams and um, Daniel Craig. And obviously they're not actually involved in any way at all. They, he's just put them in there because it's funny. And there used to be, there was another one that had Mubarak and Osama bin Laden. There was another one that had Stalin and Trotsky. Um, so, there, I mean, there are loads of them. It's just the whole thing is, is, is a racket. It looks very legitimate. It looks like a sort of a, an austere British institution, but it's not. It's just a library full of nonsense that people have or, or have not lied about. It appeared it was incredibly easy to register a company in the UK. So easy, in fact, that Oliver decided to test it out and set one up himself. I mean, to be honest, in a way, it's, it's all a fiction because... 
no one checks the information anyway. So it's like when you create a company. I mean, I did during the process of researching this article, I did create a company just to see how easy it is. And no one checks any of the information. It takes like 15 minutes. And, and it costs £13 or did then. I think it's cheaper now. Yeah, can so, you talk me through like where that, when that brainwave came to you? Like, I'll, I'm going to make my own and, and well, what I you just, called it, etc. I wanted to understand what they do. It's a very low margin, high volume business, the selling companies game. And I suppose I wanted to understand how can it be so cheap? I mean, you know, if you buy a company in the British Virgin Islands, it will cost you a thousand US dollars. But if you buy a company from a company formation agent in the UK, it costs 50 pounds. And so how can it be so cheap is, I suppose, what I was interested in. And so I thought, well, I'd just see how much work is entailed in registering a company. It turns out essentially none. Um, there's, you know, a, a web page you go to and you fill it in and then you type in your credit card numbers and send it off and that's it. You're done. It's even including clearing the payment. It wouldn't take you more than 15 minutes. So I did that and I realized halfway through the incorporation process that I hadn't thought what I was going to call my company. Um, so I called it Crooked Crook Crook Limited, which we, actually I, I sort of should have thought of something more witty, but actually it was kind of appropriate in a way because it was so puerile that, um, you know, why not? So if anyone could pay some money to create a company and pay some more to have that company registered at the official sounding 29 Harley Street, well then something seemed to be going wrong with the system. Now Oliver wanted to see for himself just what was behind the door of number 29. You know, I rang the doorbell. I thought, well, I'll just go and ring the bell. And um, and this slightly surprised young man opened the door. You know, it's, it is, it's a gorgeous house. It's, it's you know, a terraced house and, and with you know, very well appointed, very well put together. I mean, it, it, it used to be a consulting room of a very, very distinguished surgeon and, and it really looks the part. And this sort of slightly baffled young man opened, opened the door and, and then sort of ushered me into a conference room, which clearly they, they use for their clients so their clients can pretend that they have a presence there if they have to turn up physically. And then this rather harassed young woman, I don't know, she's probably in her 20s, called Charlotte, came. And, and basically she refused to tell me anything. She just gave me an email address and said, send all your questions to me here. And then uh, I never heard back anything until after the article was published, at which point she got rather abusive. But that was it. That's the thing is there was nothing there. It, yeah, it was just a house with phones in it. The only substance really was its address. It sounded posh because it's 29 Harley Street in the same way that the only substance that the companies it sold had were their legal identity. They didn't, there was nothing else to them than that. So, I mean, it's kind of an appropriate place for these non-existent companies to be because it was kind of a non-existent house. A ghost house that housed the secrets of dozens of crimes. Oliver's research ended up in a great Guardian long read article called Offshore in Central London, The Curious Case of 29 Harley Street. There's a link to that in the show notes. It had taken months of work, but Oliver had revealed a wild west of company ownership operating right under regulators' noses in central London. And who knows how many more 29 Harley Streets there are out there. Thanks to Oliver Buller for telling us about his work. He has a great book out all about offshore dodgy dealings. It's called Moneyland, Why Thieves and Crooks Now Rule the World and How to Take It Back. I'm Maeve McLennigan, and this is The Tip-Off. This episode was edited by Chica Ayres. Our theme music is by Dice Muse. This series of The Tip-Off is brought to you in association with the Bureau of Investigative Journalism and funding from Charities Aid Foundation.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 